Hello and welcome to another episode of Went to Mo Kings Meadow, the podcast that follows the fantastic Chelsea FC women's team. I'm your host, Dean. Um, without Jane and Dane at the moment, perhaps they're going to join in a little bit later. Um, so who better to ask to carry the burden of the show like Vanilla Harder carries the Chelsea football team than Mia Eriksson. Mia, how are you this evening? I'm good. It's been a great football afternoon uh, worldwide, I was about to say, but at least in Sweden and, and in London. Yeah, you mentioned Sweden. Why don't you tell the listener a bit about that, if they missed it, what happened, uh, the big going on there today? Yeah, it was a regular league game in the Swedish top flight uh, women's football. Uh, Stockholm derby between uh, Hammarby and AIK. Uh, and they, Hammarby had staged uh, the match uh, at the men's um, stadium, Tele2 Arena in Stockholm. And they had managed to sell, I think it was an, around 19,000 tickets. Uh, and attending people going were like uh, 18,571, I think. <laughs> it was huge. Yeah, and there were some, some good videos online, lots of atmosphere and fans singing, chanting, waving their flags. So it just shows that if you sort of put the game out there, that people will show up and will watch it, won't they? Yeah, I mean must give it to Hammarby as well that they, they are a great uh, club to to market uh, their women's team in, in Sweden they have I mean you, you you might think that Chelsea have a great fan base but I think Hammarby fans are they are both crazy and very passionate uh, about their team and they have been to be fair I I mean the women's team have had a great attendance at their own stadium as well, around 3,000, I think, per game. Uh, and they, they haven't been in, in the Dahmal Svenskan for a couple of years. So I think it's, it's great for women's football in Sweden at the moment. Yeah, showing the way for the rest of the world and Europe how to, how to do it, I suppose. Let's get... Back to Chelsea then, they took on Leicester City this afternoon, Sunday the 10th of October at Kings Meadow. Uh, the team was Sakira Musevic, Millie Bright and Nick Nguyen, Magda Eriksson, Neve Charles, Drew Spence, Sophie Ingle and Jon Anderson, Frank Kirby, Jesse Fleming and Bethany England. Uh, Emma Hayes brought on Sam Kerr and Pernilla Harder at half-time for Bethany England and Drew Spence. And then G, Wright and Cuppert came on for Ingle, Anderson and Eriksson at some point during the second half. That left AKB, Jess Carter... Many loopholes and Georgia Fox as our new substitutes. Uh, Mia, what did you make of the team when you saw it? I predicted nine of the starting 11 on social media, although we didn't actually preview this as a podcast. I sort of thought there would be changes given what happened against Wolfsburg. Yeah, I mean, it, it was a very good starting 11. Uh, it always is uh, when it comes to Chelsea, I think. But um, I mean, when when the game kicked off, I mean, it's it's Leicester and they have been promoted into the WSL uh, just recently. Uh, watching them play before uh, this, uh, playing Chelsea, I, I think I was kind of, you know, secure with the fact that Chelsea was going to win pretty easy, uh, especially 
with Frank Kirby and, and Bethany Englands uh, in the starting eleven, but mm, it it wasn't really their day uh, today. I think. Yeah. Now you mentioned obviously Leicester being newly promoted. They've they've struggled so far this season. I was expecting sort of a repeat of the Bristol City game last season where Chelsea scored nine goals and just had you know, themselves an absolute day. Was you expect you was expecting the same or just sort of a comfortable victory for Chelsea with no worries at all? Yeah, no worries at all. I felt before kickoff, uh, and I expected the same things uh, as you did, apparently. Uh, but I think that Leicester they had really done their homework uh, well, um, and I think that Chelsea. Yeah, I mean. They didn't come out with, you know, that speed that they had versus Wolfsburg. So I think you, you can never underestimate a team. And, and I mean, it's like a team with Leicester. They will play doing everything they can um, to not let Chelsea score. And that's what they did. Yeah, we're going to speak about Leicester a little bit later on. Before kickoff, though, I think it's important to mention that the Chelsea players and staff linked arms to support the NWSL players after what's been happening over there. Um, Mia Leicester declined to do that with Chelsea, um, opting instead to applaud the gesture, waiting for the Women's Football Weekend to have a bigger impact. What did you make of that? For me, it seemed a bit stupid for them not to sort of make the gesture now rather than wait, sort of takes it away from what they're going to do in a week or two's time. Yeah, I thought it was pretty pretty strange to say that as well. Uh, what's more bigger of a stage than playing the champs, champions of England uh, with it being broadcasted live on Sky? I'm not sure what they meant by that, to be fair, but... Maybe they they have have a good reason. I'm not sure if you can say that, but I'm not I'm not sure. I I was kind of surprised. Yeah, when I when it happened, obviously at the game, sort of you're thinking, oh, why haven't they done it with Leicester? Have they not sort of told them or asked them? Just done it off their own back, but then come out after the game that you know Leicester knew about it and declined to take part, and you're just thinking, you know, every other team is doing this to show their support and. You're going against that, you know, up to them. Really, it's their club, but seems a bit of an own goal. Um, and then the game obviously started. I thought, Mia, yeah, we played quite well in the first half. It wasn't great, but we created some chances. Uh, Jesse Fleming had a good shot from range. Millie Bright shot wide. It, it just wasn't really clicking for us. You know, why was that? Was it the speed of play not quick enough? It was quite slow at times. Maybe concentration uh, in those finishing I mean, moments they had, I, I don't know. I just think that sometimes, you know, when watching a game like this can be like, you know where Chelsea is going to uh, attack. Um, they play wide, they make crosses, and then there's a rebound and someone takes a shot, which uh, usually makes it for Chelsea. But then you have a team like Leicester that will drop down with... Uh, every every player they have, uh, and then it's going to be crowded in the in in the box. 
Yeah. What did you make of? Obviously, she uh, Emma started with Drew Spence and Sophie Ingle was two holding midfield players. That had an impact because they're not sort of naturally attacking players, and she did change it in the first half to put Drew Spence up, basically as a third forward with you know Fleming and, and Kirby. Do you think that's just she's using what she's got or was that a mistake by Emma to pick that midfield to start the game? I think it's a solid midfield defensively. But I think if if you don't... I mean, it could be that Chelsea haven't got to that point uh, with using the back three to get their build-up play fast. And then you have two midfielders like that that, that are more set-back and uh, more defensive-minded. Uh, then it gets too slow and too. I mean, you can see it happen, and and I think that's what Leicester could do. They could see uh, things happen before they did. Um, so, I mean, I I think pretty much up until G came in, uh, I think it was a pretty boring game, even though Sam Kerr and and Penilla Harder made it made something happen with the, with the speed and, and all. But I think, it, it to be fair, it, it wasn't... They didn't have any kind of dangerous attacks in the first half. Yeah, you mentioned Sam Kerr and Penilla Harder coming on. Was you surprised it happened at half-time and that, you know, Bethany England wasn't given a little bit longer given that she scored in the game against Wolfsburg and she had done in the previous WSL game as well? She was a bit anonymous for the first half, but that was probably the slow build-up play not helping that fact. Were you surprised they came on at half-time or was you relieved that they came on at half-time? No, I was not surprised because if it had been the last season, uh, I would have been surprised to see those changes um, at half-time. But, but now I don't because I think that's a statement from Emma to really you know, show that this is not okay and we have to do something. Uh, but I also think, uh, and this could be in a worrying uh, perspective as well, because I think it's worrying that players on the pitch can make it happen because they have enough quality to, to make it happen. Uh, and then, I mean, was it the, the cup game? Um yeah, the, the Birmingham game. Yeah, yeah, that was the same thing. I mean, obviously, we see what we are seeing uh, happening now is that we see players that are so important for Chelsea's uh, game at the moment that they have to be on the pitch to make it happen, uh, and that that's sort of worrying as well, in a way. Yeah, when I tweeted my team out and it had Panetta Harder in it and not Frank Kirby. Uh, a lot of people saying, you know, Pelina needs a rest and you know, Fran should start, etc. Um, but we saw when she came on that that's why she has to start and that perhaps she could then come off when the game's done and the other players can take over because there's nobody like her that you know, gets that ball in those areas and then drives at the defence. Everyone else is trying to play a pass straight away. Nobody's cutting the lines. How important is she to Chelsea's play and how big was her impact this afternoon? Uh, I think, first of all, I, I would like to say that um, she practically played every game for uh, Wolfsburg 
those seasons she was there. Uh, and that is also sort of telling for how important she can be for a team. I mean, she practi- practically starts every um, game for Denmark as well, which will be interesting to see now when this break comes up, if that's going to happen this time um, around. But I think I think I want to compare this to Sam Kerr a little bit because I think she she were kind of invisible with the ball today, Sam Kerr. But when she comes on, something is happening with the attack because off the ball and the movement and the attitude uh, is that's what's what's brilliant. And I think that that is exactly the same with Penilla Harder. It's the attitude to come come in and just drive uh, the team forward to, to make something happen, to, to get things going. Uh, and then things get going because players like that, they won't set, settle for less. Is there a mindset switch, you know, as these players are coming on, in the minds of Chelsea and in the minds of Leicester as well, the game's changed without anything actually changing because Chelsea aren't playing any differently. They're still doing the same passes out wide. They're still trying to play the ball centrally. But the, just because there's different players on the pitch, the mindset of both teams is different, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I think that's exactly what what happens uh, when players like that enters. Because they enter... Bec- the other players knows that when these changes uh, happens, they know it's for a reason and that it's it's not good enough before these players comes on. Yeah, and obviously that changes, you know, the, the other players around them knowing that they're expected now to make a difference um, with these players on the pitch. Someone you mentioned earlier was was G, who I thought was fantastic when she came on. Um, she was in my starting eleven in that double pivot because you're playing a team that's going to be compact, that's going to sit deep. They're not going to pressure that midfield too much. She started the game against Wolfsburg in that role. Do you think that should have been probably the other way around and she should have been playing because her impact was instant. She was able to get the ball from the back three and really play the ball forward a bit quicker to the likes of Jesse Fleming and Penilla Harder. Yeah, I think what we saw today as well was that G actually played the ball forward when she came on. Um, it wasn't back to the, to back, the back three uh, because they had all the space on the pitch today to play the ball forward all the time, Chelsea. Um, so I think she did a very significant change uh, when, when she came on. Yeah, and obviously we sort of agree on the fact that when you're playing against you know better teams that press Chelsea and, and push fast, that she shouldn't be in that pivot. And if she's going to play, it should be further forward. But these are the games for G in that role, isn't it? I mean, I can see why G is playing the other games as well. I can really see that uh, because she's a great, great player. Uh, but I think when you, as, as a spectator, when you just watch the game, it's hard sometimes to see that what ha- happened inside the box uh, versus uh, Wolfsburg when she and Penille came in each other's way. Because players like that will naturally want to be uh, where the action is. 
um, and where, where to attack and score. Um, so, I mean, it was kind of obvious today as well that when Magda had to, to come off, you don't put another defender in. You put uh, Aaron Cuthbert on and, and have Neem Charles still on to make it attacking, uh, to play attacking football still. Um, I mean, I, I think every team struggles to find the balance when they are up against, um, you know, teams like Leicester that will drop, drop down deep. Uh, they, they struggle to find the balance when, when they play uh, teams like Wolfsburg, uh, Bar- Barcelona, to find that perfect starting eleven uh, that will make it happen. And it's coincidences all the time that that does it or or don't do it. Um, but I think today, I think G was the perfect player to put on uh, because it was enough to have three defenders. Yeah, it felt a bit after obviously the first goal that then we had probably too many attacking players because Leicester were going to try and get something from the game. And you're wondering if we went too far the other way. I'm going to read the match stats now before we talk about the goal because Chelsea had 71% possession, 22 shots, nine on target, 16 corners and four fouls. Leicester had 29% possession, four shots, none on target and no corners. So that sort of, from looking at the stats, seems like you know, a nice, easy day for Chelsea. But it did take 83 minutes for them to score. Um, Cuthbert releasing Jesse Fleming into the box and she cut the ball back to Canilla Harder, who rescued Chelsea once again. The goal showed great sides of, of both Jesse and Harder, didn't it? Because Harder made the run that nobody else made and Jesse had the intelligence to pick her out. Yeah, I mean, I've seen this uh, a couple of games now and I think that's... Uh, I think that's very tactical from Emma Hayes. And I think it's, um, how do you say this in English? I can't, I can't remember how to say this in English, but I, I think it's, it's tactically awareness uh, that she is going to make the, those runs, Penelope Harder. But the fact is also that we don't see those cutbacks enough. Uh, I mean, it was a situation just before the goal happened as well where she also made that run and Reiten still uh, chose to cross in to try and find Sam Kerr with the header. But I mean, that, that was what Chelsea had tried to do all game. Crosses inside the box, uh, find a head <laughs> to, to make it a goal. But it, was, it just wasn't happening. And then you have to try, maybe try something else. And I think Jesse Fleming really did that um, because she... she was aware uh, of where Penilla Harder was situated. Yeah, it's interesting because in the warm-up to the game, Chelsea do a drill where the goalkeeper kicks the ball to a defender. They play a ball to a wing-back. They put the ball into the box along the floor and somebody scores a goal. They don't then to replicate that in the game. It's always crosses in the air, which Leicester were very comfortable in dealing with. I know Sam Kerr had one had a saved fantastically by the Leicester City goalkeeper in the second half, uh, where she headed it straight against the goalkeeper's face, but she made herself big and, and got the ball out of the goal. That must be frustrating for Emma that they're not doing what they're training for 
in the in the game situation they're not replicating the things that they're working on why is that in your opinion just you know the intensity of the game oh jesus that's a hard question but i think it's um i think it's about decision making uh, from the players in the moment and i i mean emma often talks about that as well uh what what are the players um decides when they are on the pitch uh, and to be fair often it works to cross the ball in uh, to Sam Kerr and she heads perfect goals into the back of the net but I think Leicester really that what was what Leicester did really good uh, they managed to keep keep Sam Kerr um, on the ground <laughs> not uh, all the time. I mean, that face save that the goalkeeper did was was kind kind of um, spectacular in a way. But obviously, today wasn't it wasn't going to happen with the headers. So then you have to to um, attack differently. And then I think a player like Jesse Fleming that doesn't start all the time, maybe she actually uses what what is happening during the training sessions. Yeah, because Emma was full of praise for Jesse Fleming after the game. She spoke about her at length, about how, although she wasn't playing regularly, that she was doing everything in training, maybe sending a message to some other squad players um, around their attitude and application in what they're doing. Um, that's all I'll say on that. But the, the second goal in the 94th minute, Mia, was you know total tap-tap boom Chelsea. Sakira Musovic with a long kick up field that she doesn't really do. Penilla Harder with the first lick on, Sam Kerr with the second, and then Frank Kirby with the finish. You're a pick-a-B assist there, all working together to make a goal. That was, you know, ruthless Chelsea. And wonder why they didn't perhaps try that move slightly early in the game, because it was always through the back three out wide. And then the one time they go direct because they don't want the ball near their own goal because they've got a one nil lead with just minutes to spare, gets them the second. I think that that was because Neem Charles had dropped down to play the back three. Um, that, then I, I think that Chelsea really wanted another goal and it was just, you know, uh, at the end of the game and then then you do stuff like that. But I think it's... It's very important also to say I, I don't think that Penilla Harder is uh, the most. Um, um, I mean, her stats uh, will probably show us that she's not the best in in the air. But then again, uh, I mean, it's about wanting that second ball uh, to want it to go forward, and and then um, hard work in that area will also make it easy for for the front to do their job uh, and I think it was probably um, great for Frank Kirby to get that goal because for the rest of the game I think she 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 might have felt that she struggled a bit um, so great way to end a game uh, after after having that kind of game yeah another um, contribution from, from Fran you know where it matters in goals I think she had some good moments in the first half, but I think she played in areas where Leicester were able to crowd her out quite easily. And she wasn't particularly making the runs behind the defence that she normally does. They weren't playing 
sort of long balls over the top to her to run onto that you know normally gets her assists and goals. A bit of a, a different game plan, and I, I do think they play differently with with Bethany England up front, which is why perhaps Bethany struggles to make an impact like Sam Kerr, despite obviously Sam Kerr being a fantastic player. That left the game finishing obviously 2-0. Lots of Chelsea supporters breathing a sigh of relief at full time because it was very hard fought and you were wondering if they was ever going to score. Then they end up with, with two. Let's just touch on Leicester for a, for a moment. You know, I, I think they struggled with the pace of the WSL so far. They were obviously helped by Chelsea not playing very fast. Um, because they was able to get in their shape pretty quickly. But what could this performance do for them in this season? You know, they they held the champions for 83 minutes. They had to bring on Sam Kerr, Penilla Harder, Jiso Yun, you know, all these great players to break them down. They could really use this to go on and hopefully start getting some wins on the board. Yeah, I mean, defensively, I, I think they they probably did a very good game. And their goalkeeper did a great game. Uh, or had a great game but what I do think that I think it was in in the like beginning of the first half they did try to exploit Chelsea's high back line but they ended up having a couple of offsides um, I think both Jess Siegsworth and I don't remember who the first first one was but I mean you could see that they 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 knew uh, what they what they were gonna try uh, to to make Chelsea's backline a bit a bit shaky, perhaps. But um, luckily, they they didn't manage. Yeah, what well, I wouldn't say surprised me, but what I noticed about Leicester was you know their physicality and their, their size across the pitch. You know, Natasha Flynn, you know Jessica Tigworth, as you said, very physical. In their gameplay, you know, it was Sigsworth and Ingle having quite a good battle with Sigsworth dropping obviously deep to try and cut off some you know, passing lines. Is that going to bode them well, being that physical? Or do you think they're going to miss you know, a little bit of guile? Sort of, you look at Chelsea's front three, they're not particularly big, but they are skillful and pacey. Is that going to affect them in the league? I think uh, that might be just sort of a some time to get used to the pace in the WSL maybe uh, may, perhaps you you think as a player haven't played the, in the highest division before that you have to be physical um, so I think perhaps some uh, events during the game you could see that I mean Magda was down one time as well when someone actually stamped uh, on her ankle uh, with a full shoe. <laughs> Very painful to watch. <laughs> Even the replay uh, looked very painful. Um, so, and then it was, uh, I think it was a collision between Penilla Harder and, and another Leicester player. Uh, it looked kind of sort of mistimed and stuff like that. And I'm not saying that uh, players that are used to the, the WSL aren't ever doing that but uh, some moments they felt like they they were like oh we're going up uh, against big big Chelsea and and now we're going to defend for our lives and we're going to be tough and not showing that we are the newcomers and all and and so something like that maybe 
Yeah, there was definitely. Mo- I don't, Magda shared the photo as well after the game um, where she was stamped on. That was the one she picked uh, to publish. And obviously she left the game and finished with an ice pack on her knee as well. Uh, so it was sort of a bruising encounter for Chelsea, but they managed to get through it. Um, defensively for Chelsea, Nick Nguyen coming in at centre, the middle centre-back replacing Jess Carter, who obviously had that you know bad moment against Wolfsburg in the Champions League midweek. Uh, and she had quite a game, didn't she? Uh, some some top-line stats for her was 68 passes, which was the most in the team, 13 long passes completed, 100 of her jewels won, which was five, 100% of her tackles won, four recoveries and three clearances. So defensively, she was great, but it was what she did with the ball that really stood out, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, she really did show that she could be a great asset to the build-up play. Um, And I think what's important to say in this, because... I mean, watching that Wolfsburg game, and then we watch a couple of games back, I think, again, what people have to maybe take into consideration is that every part of the team, the defense, the attack, and and the players that's going to link between defense and, and the attack, they have to work as a unit and they they have to, I mean, trust each other no matter what. And they have to communicate. And perhaps that, I mean, even if, if players are great individually uh, at what they are doing, they need to have players around them that trusts uh, the unit, not just the player. I think... I think uh, Nguyen came in today and really took the chance uh, to to show that uh, she she wants to be there, uh, and she also did show what she is capable of uh, pro- providing. And the passing game, I think it was brilliant because she offered uh, a lot of. Um, it was mixed long passes as well, not just out wide. Uh, she actually delivered some great passes uh, centrally into Fleming as well. Um, so it was great to see that. Yeah, it was a nice, I wouldn't say surprise, because we've seen her for the Netherlands play in some fantastic passes as well, especially to, to Vivian Miedemar, uh some long direct balls, which which Chelsea liked to play. Do you think this little... Um, international break will affect her chances because you can't now build on this performance because the team's going to obviously, well, they got Juventus on Wednesday, but the team will stop after that for the international break. Do you see her playing against Juventus this week or will Jess Carter come back in? Oh, it's it's as easy as always to predict what's going to (laughs) happen, but I think it would be it would be here's the thing Juventus has really great and fast strikers uh, and I think that she would she deserves a chance in that game to show that that she will be able to to you know fight her way into a regular starting 11 in Chelsea to be one of the back three if they're going to play like that, I think Anik Nguyen is, is she deserves to be in the back three. 
to say that, I mean, to me, it's kind of a strange, to, I mean, she played the whole Olympic tournament versus team like the US uh, and other great nations. And then to say that she has to get used to the pace of the WSL, I mean, it, it feels just sort of strange to say that. Uh, she's young for sure, but she has caps for her country. Uh, so I think she deserves uh, to play in the Champions League this week. I will be disappointed if, if she's not in there. Yeah, I mean, she looked like a player that knew what she was doing. I've done it many times before. Uh, it's obviously not to, to dig out Jess Carter, who did have a bad you know, moment against Wolfsburg. She has improved, in my opinion, coming into the middle. But yeah, the performance was very good and deserves another start midweek. But we'll see what happens with Magda as well. Obviously, left the game injured. They might need Carter and Nguyen to play that game. Another player that played that doesn't normally play was Sakira Muzovic. Her fourth Chelsea game, her fourth clean sheet. But she hasn't played in a game where she's really had to make many saves. There was one moment in the game... Uh, where it was a newer mistake, I believe, and she sort of cleaned it up. But, you know, no shots on target, so we're not really sure what she's going to be like in those big moments. How does she get that reputation and that trust if she's not going to be playing in big games? Because I think Anne Katrenberger had a nightmare against Wolfsburg. Three mistakes for three goals, in my opinion. Could she stay in goal against Juventus? I think you uh, goal the position goalkeeper. You don't change uh, after one bad game. I don't think so. Um, but if here's here's also the thing. I think the goalkeeper has to work with the defensive unit. So I think it it's gonna depend on what unit uh, that she will have uh, in front of her. Um, so I don't think Emma will change the goalkeeper for the big games yet. But if if this should continue, um, I think Sechira Musovic also deserves a, a chance because she is hungry and and she she wants to play badly. Um, so I think, I mean, yeah, I think. Being a goalkeeper with um, competition to start uh, must be in competition to to start. I think that's the most hardest uh, position ever to compete for. Yeah, I agree. And it's not obviously to say AKB isn't a good goalkeeper because obviously she made so many great saves last season on the way to winning the WSL and to get to the Champions League final. Um, just in moments... There are wobbles and if there's a goalkeeper there waiting, Emma Hayes could possibly be tempted to to make a switch for a couple of games, but we'll see come Wednesday what she decides to do. Um, what do you think this, this performance does for the rotation? We spoke about Arthur Birmingham City, that they didn't play very well and she might be tempted to stick with the front three and then take them off once the game's done. She didn't again today she went with the rotation what do you think that's done for them you know 
what are Bethany England's charts is. I think Jon Anderson did very well. Neve Charles was was here and there. Ingle, Spence, Ingle did well. Spence, pretty anonymous for the game. What do you think it does for their chances? I don't think the chances are going to be any less um, because I think it's pretty obvious at the moment what will be Emma's starting eleven for the games that really needs to to have these players on. Uh, I mean, if if you listen to Emma speak sometimes, I think she wants reaction from the players uh, all the time. How how will they react and what will they do uh, with the the things? Um, how things are unfold. Um, so I, I I think this is what we are going to see. If it's a game like this versus Leicester, we're not going to see the strongest starting eleven start um, because it's natural with this um, heavy schedule and tight schedule. I mean, it's back to back games pretty much every week and this is what what has to happen um, but I mean it's going to be a bit stressful to watch if we're going to have to wait until what did you say minute 83 83 yeah <laughs> to to have goals in games where goals should perhaps come way sooner the tactic could be to to start strong and then sub players off as well. Yeah, having said that though, today was Emma Hayes' one hundredth WSL win, and uh, the fifty sixth consecutive game that Chelsea have scored in, uh, running back to October twenty eighteen, the last time they failed to score in the WSL game. So perhaps it's not as bad as it seems. Um, and that Chelsea will score, and the minute doesn't matter too much. Um, the last player I want to talk about from this game was the player of the match. She was options one, two, three, and four in the Chelsea FC women's player of the match vote, and that was Ballon d'Or nominated Jessie Fleming. Uh, quite a week for her. She created the most chances, which was four for any player on the pitch. She's seems to be building up a bit of steam and getting that run of games she we always said she needed. I mean, it's it's no surprise that I'm a big fan of Jessie Fleming. I think she's... Uh, uh, and, and it was like Emma said in, in the um, interview after, that she she really acted today like she wanted the ball, the ball all the time. Like, give me the ball, I, I'll take care of it. Um, and I think it was great to see that she had the courage to to bring the ball forward as well. Because from what I saw, I thought she always looked and aimed uh, for the ball to go towards goal, not to go back. Yeah, she was the one bright light in the first half, really. You know, she was the one (laughs) pushing Chelsea forward. She is, is... Lila Harder-esque in the way that she wants the ball and be able to turn with the ball. Um, Not that they're totally similar players, but that is a similar trait that they have, that they want to take the ball forward. And it's not always about getting the ball and passing it straight away. They can break defensive lines, running with the ball. I think Jesse Fleming is 
is like a small dynamite. We call her the baby goat. Uh, Penelope Harder is the big goat. Um, it was great for her to assist her today. I do believe that there is a game where they can play together behind a striker, you know, either Samco or Frank Kirby. Um, she did drop deep into the double pivot as well today when you know, we had the trident up front of a pick a B. And she did very well there as well. But the best work she does for me is in the same areas as Penelope Harder. And can you see that working well, both covering the length of the pitch in that area? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, again, uh, we talked about Sam Kirby and Sam Kirby, Sam Kerr and <laughs> Frank Kirby last season. Um, you have to find those relationships on the pitch to make things happen. And today we saw that perhaps a start of a chemistry like that between Penilla Harder and, and uh, Jesse Fleming. I mean, I just found it was a beautiful moment to watch um, when when Jesse Fleming just completely naturally, I think, I, I don't think that Penilla Harder even pointed. Um, I might, might be wrong, but I, I just, from what I remember, it just looked like Jesse Fleming knew exactly where Penilla Harder was. Yeah, that's obviously football intelligence, which not every player in the world possesses and, and Jesse has vast amounts of. And this episode and today was the Jesse Fleming show. Hopefully she features it at Juventus as well and continues her fine form. Um, I'll run through the results from the WSL this week and as we finish this episode um, yesterday, Manchester United drew 2-2 with Manchester City. Uh, Manchester City down to 10 men, 10 players, not 10 men, for a large period of the game. Uh, Chelsea obviously winning 2-0 today. Brighton women win 2-1 against Tottenham. Uh, Reading 3-0 winners against Aston Villa. Arsenal 3-0 winners against Everton. And West Ham and Bowen City played out a 1-1 draw today. That means the table looks like this. Arsenal top with 15 points. Chelsea second with 12 points. Tottenham third, also with 12 points. Manchester United fourth with 10 points. Brighton with nine points. Sixth, West Ham with eight points. Seventh, Aston Villa with seven points. Everton eighth with six points. Manchester City ninth with just four points from five games. Uh, Reading tenth with three points. Birmingham eleventh with one point. And Leicester City propping up the table. Five games played, five losses. Minus 11 goal difference, zero points. Um... A tough, a tough start for them. Mia, what do you make of the table after five games? I said judge Chelsea after five games. How would you judge them? Um, I, I think um, the only surprise is Manchester City, uh, to be fair. I think, um, I mean, I just found myself thinking yesterday that, wow, five games, four points, ninth place. Um, I think also is that if things are going to turn around now, um, it hasn't happened uh, for a team being that low and loses uh, and have been losing that many games and points like Manchester City have been doing in the beginning of this season. I can't see them being up there. So I think it's going to be a very exciting a competition for 
the third place uh, in in this table because I think it's pretty obvious obvious from now on that it's Chelsea or Arsenal that's that has have the chance I might say to to end up there because from looking today uh, versus Leicester well they they have to keep on winning these games we can't just count you you know the points between Arsenal and Chelsea and Chelsea and Manchester City now because all games will count not just for Manchester City yeah Manchester City needing Chelsea to lose three games on top of the one they've already lost to have any hope of even challenging they need Arsenal to lose five games um, which they probably haven't done for two seasons combined I don't know when the last time Chelsea lost four games goes back to a very long time probably uh, Tottenham obviously keeping up their good start to the, the season matching Chelsea's four and one record uh, and United there are thereabouts but they've played now Chelsea and Manchester City lost 6-1 to Chelsea and drew 2-2 with a 10 player Man City so perhaps their chances of being there or thereabouts are also a bit overrecked at the minute, a bit like Tottenham. But an interesting table. Uh, good to see Chelsea backs, you know, nearer the top. But we won't be satisfied until that is the first place in the table. That is all we've pretty much got time for this week. Uh, again, congratulations to Emma Hayes on 100 WSL wins. And congratulations to Magda Eriksson, Jesse Fleming, Penilla Harder, Fran Kirby and Sam Kerr on their Ballon d'Or nominations. Uh, Jesse Fleming, obviously the favourite to win, being the gold medalist and an all-round great player. Um, much better than Caroline Graham Hansen, obviously, who wasn't nominated. But perhaps she plays football not on this earth, but in another galaxy. Uh, only way we can explain that one, Mia, I guess. Um Chelsea are back on Wednesday night when they take on Juventus in the Champions League. You can watch that on, uh, how do you say their name? Dazen? Dazen? Dazon. Dazon. Yeah. A bit French for me. <laughs> Dazon, YouTube, it's free. Watch the team. Lots of people tuning in to you know, support the team. They need a win, don't they, Mia, from this one? We're not going to obviously preview that now, but it's already a big game considering what happened against Wolfsburg. Yeah, I think um, we want to see a, a great reaction from what happened versus Wolfsburg. So, yeah. Yeah, and we'll be back later in the week to review that one. And then there's a bit of a break for just over two weeks until Chelsea take on Manchester City in last season's FA Cup semi-final. And then they face Aston Villa next in the WSL before... Servette in the Champions League sandwiched in between those two legs in Manchester City uh, and then Birmingham to round off November uh, we'll be back in the international break as well we're going to fit in Mia's talking tactics episode that we haven't managed to do yet but we will do that in the little break that we've got um, yeah so just look out for for more content uh, make sure you follow us on Twitter at Mokings Meadow on Instagram at Went to Mokings Meadow. You can follow me at DMIRS, Jane at Jane Chapel X, Dane at DWIT9, and Mia at Mia underscore Ericsson. And also 
at their pitch. If you want to check out Mia's new podcast, they recorded with Manchester United midfielder Vilda Boarisa. This well, last week. Um, depends how you do your weeks. This week, last week. Um, looking forward to hearing that when it being published, Mia. Yeah, I can say this now because it's it's official. I think um, uh, we have decided to record a couple of episodes uh, before we because we want to release one episode a week. Um, so we're gonna we have, and I can say this as well because I think it's it's fair. Uh, November third, we're gonna record with Hannah Glass from Bayern Munich. So. I think after that, we're going to get things going once a week. Yeah, it sounds exciting. Building up the tension and the excitement for the podcast, very X-Factor-esque. Uh, Simon Cowell would be very proud of the advertising that's going yeah. on here. Yeah. <laughs> if you could just ask Hannah Glass why she didn't join Chelsea, the truth behind that, um, because I feel like she should have done. and It hurts a bit that she didn't. But, you know, let bygones be bygones. Um, all the links for everything that Mia does, everything that we do is in the description box. Uh, so make sure you check it out. Share this episode with your friends, with your families. Uh, leave us a review on Apple Podcast. Sign up to our Patreon. Support the podcast. Help us produce more and more Chelsea FC women's content. Uh, we've got a free newsletter. Um, we've got a Discord group. We've got lots of stuff. Come and get involved. All the information will be below. But until next time, Chelsea fans from Kings Meadow to Wembley, keep that blue flag flying high.